Welcome to the CCF Iowa podcast. Welcome back to the CCF podcast. Today we are going through Matthew chapter 6. And this is um, when we start to transition into the second half of the Sermon on the Mount. So the first half of the Sermon on the Mount has all been about interpreting God's word. It's about how Jesus views God's word. It's why he has all those passages that say, you've heard it said this, but I say unto you this. And then he starts to clarify what God's word has always meant to be about. That's been about loving people and and that kind of stuff. And and so the second half starts to talk about how to then live that out. And so he starts to get a little bit more, a little bit more practical here, a little bit more pragmatic in his examples. And so uh, we're going to read a lot of text today. We're actually going to read all of chapter six, and we're going to just kind of analyze what Jesus is saying about how we should be living out, how we should be doing his interpretation of God's word. So let's dig into some text here. This is Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they've received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, uh, first of all, I want to talk about the word hypocrites here, uh, because we have a very strict definition of what a hypocrite is, and I don't actually think that's what Jesus' definition that he's using at this point in time is of a hypocrite. So, when we talk about hypocrites, we think about people who say they're going to do one thing, and then they do another, or... They, they command you to live a certain lifestyle and follow a certain morality while they themselves are not actually living out that way. They're not doing the thing that they're trying to make everyone else do. That's what we say hypocrites are. But the word is, uh, the Greek word here actually is upokritos. It's a pretty direct transliteration that we have. It is literally the word that they use for, for actors in, in theater. Um, because the idea about actors... They do everything for a show, for an audience, for attention, for acclaim. That's what actors do. And so the idea behind the hypocrites, I think, that Jesus is talking about here is is not so much about people who say one thing and then do another. They could very well, and, and generally he's talking about Pharisees, and the Pharisees are actually really good about being pious, about commanding guys, we need to be living by this type of morality. And then they themselves actually live out that type of morality and they live it out really well. But what they do is they do it just to to show how pious they are and how, how good of Jews they are. And so everything that they do is about about receiving that acclaim and notice and that that they are the right kind of people and, and they're living things out the way that you're supposed to. And and so Jesus is saying, if the whole reason that you're doing what you do is, is for a show is to be noticed, then you're going to get your reward. That's your reward is being noticed, is being talked about, is being recognized for being the kind of person who lives out your acts of righteousness. But that's not what acts of righteousness is about. What acts of righteousness is about is about it should be changing your insides. And it's not so much about what's shown on the on the outside, but what is happening 
on the inside, that your heart is changing in this. And so Jesus continues to give more examples about about living things out and, and about about how it changes your heart. And so another part of this passage is he talks about the reward. And, and I mentioned that that for the hypocrites, their reward is that they, they've been seen, they've been noticed. The reward is very much a present reward. Sometimes when this passage is talked about, we talk about the reward that that the people who follow Jesus are going to receive as this heavenly reward, as this future reward, as some kind of jewels and our crown that we receive in heaven. But when Jesus is talking about the reward here, he's just talked about the hypocrites receiving their reward in the present time. I think the reward that we receive for for doing acts of righteousness in the right way and not for a show is also a present reward because we receive the reward of heart change, of lifestyle change, of of being better people, of being more like the people that God's supposed to be. That is in itself a reward. But the cool thing is, is that's not just a reward that we receive now, but but that change is something that lasts for eternity. And we become more like Jesus and more like the kind of people that God wants us to be. And, and so it's a reward that is ongoing that we get to carry with us. We get that heart change. We get to be made new. All right, the next section uh, that we're going to talk about is, is verses 5 to 15. It's about prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites do, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So the prayer section here um, is actually of, of kind of these passages when he talks about, when Jesus talks about these things in the Sermon on the Mount, it's one of the longer sections. And, and actually, uh, I mentioned that there is a, a first half and a second half, and this is actually probably the very middle of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you can make an argument that the Lord's Prayer is, is the center of it. And usually, uh, in, in this type of writing style and in, in in uh, ancient days and in, in the first century, if there's a middle part of a section, that's the one that is actually like the most important and the key that they want you to take out of it, which is really cool because it's, it's the Lord's prayer. And, and it's this prayer that's been used for, for centuries upon centuries uh, as a means of praying. And, and actually um, something that's unique about this prayer is it's actually a pretty common prayer in Jesus day. It's, it's referred to as the Amidah prayer. And, um, for for Jews, this is a this is a daily noontime prayer that they would say together, um, and they would pray this prayer together. and And we found copies of the of the Amidah from back before Jesus' time, and it's and it's almost exactly word for word um, this prayer that he gives in there, which is kind of interesting. 
because uh, sometimes I feel like we lift up the Lord's Prayer as this like super awesome prayer. It, it is a very awesome prayer, but like this super special kind of prayer because it's the one that Jesus said, when you pray, you should pray like this. But if we understand the context of this being the Amidah prayer, something that the disciples themselves would have been saying all the time, saying uh, this daily prayer, when they're asking Jesus, Jesus, what should we pray like? Um, it, when when this the Lord's Prayer is given to Luke, the disciples, it's right before it happens, the disciples say, Jesus, how are we supposed to pray? And Jesus answers them by saying, you should pray like this. This then is how you should pray. He gives the Lord's Prayer. What he's essentially saying is, guys, you know how to pray. You say the same kind of prayers every single day. Let me share with you a, a daily prayer that you say. It's a great way to pray. You should pray that way. Like, you guys know how to pray. Pray like that. But there's a line that Jesus adds in this prayer that we don't find in the Amidah prayer of his day. And it's the line about forgiveness. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, later, later versions of the Amidah prayer do have that God forgive us piece of it, but they still leave out the we forgive others piece of it. And Jesus Day, this is actually a really controversial statement uh, because it's the view within Judaism that God is the one who forgives sin. Some of the most uh, controversial things that Jesus does and says is whenever he forgives someone's sins and he tells them, your sins are forgiven. And then all the rest of the crowd's like, who is this guy that thinks he can forgive people's sins? That's what God does. We don't forgive sins. God forgives sins. How can he forgive people's sins? And so this is the controversial part. This is the part that sticks out to the disciples where they're like, wait a second. Like we knew the rest of that prayer, but you added in this piece about forgiving sins. We should forgive other sins. And in fact, in verses 14 and 15, right after giving that prayer, Jesus reemphasizes the fact that it's about forgiveness because he says, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your heavenly father will not forgive your sins. It's about forgiveness. It's about people. It's about loving people. And, and as we see some of these pieces together, we start to realize that there's a lot of flow from one part of the Sermon on the Mount to another, that it's, that it's connected, that there's a lot going on, and that, that, that it's about people. It's about loving people. It's about how we treat one another. It's about how we, how we judge or how we shouldn't judge one another, which that piece is actually coming up in Matthew chapter six, which we'll, we'll talk about next week. This is all the stuff that's going on here. It's about people. We need to care about people. We need to forgive people. Because forgiveness, forgiveness changes hearts. Forgiveness changes us on the inside. And, and that's the point of these acts of righteousness. That's the point of living out the way that God wants us to live. It's not just, to, it's not to be a show. It's not to be noticed. It's not for everybody to go, well, that guy is pretty pious. It's because your insides are supposed to change. Your heart is supposed to change. Loving people changes you on the inside.
The next passage is about fasting. And Jesus says, verses 16 through 18, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, but when you fast, put oil on your head, wash your face, so that you... Uh, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Um, we don't fast enough. I'm just going to say that right now. That's something that we need to do more regularly. And, and I think part of the problem is we don't fast enough is because we don't see examples of it. And part of the reason we don't see examples of it is because we've taken Jesus' words here where it says that you're supposed to be doing this in secret and go, well, no one can ever know when I'm fasting, so I can't talk about it and I can't do it in a way that's obvious. And so we never see examples of people fasting. And so then we just start to think, well, no one fasts anymore. So I don't need to fast. There's no reason to worry about it. The thing about the secrecy part here, every other place it's talked about secrecy. We don't feel that exact same way about prayer. We still pray in public ways. We pray out in the open because it's an okay thing to do, but he talks about prayer. We should be doing that in secret. When we give to the needy, we report it on our taxes. We let everybody know that we've given. Uh, we may not, we don't do it to be a show, which is actually the point of this passage, to not be a show about it, but it's not like we keep it completely secret. We report it on our taxes. Why is fasting the one that we're just like, well, no one can know that you're fasting. You've got to be completely secret about it. I think the issue is that we're misunderstanding the secrecy part because what Jesus is trying to say again is that this is about not these acts of righteousness are about not being showy about them about not being, Hey guys, I'm righteous. I'm awesome. Look at me. Cause then the only reward you receive is the recognition that you get for being righteous and awesome. It's about your heart changing and so you can tell people that you've been fasting, you can tell people that you've been praying, you can tell people that you've been giving to the needy, but the point about it is that you should just be modeling the right way to do things, your acts of righteousness. It shouldn't be about it being a show, it should be about the fact that this is changing your heart and this is making you this kind of person. And so you know that it's beneficial to model this kind of behavior for others, and so you you let them walk with you and observe you and see what's going on so that they can become those kind of people too and they can get changed on the inside. And and that's what this secrecy passage, these the secrecy language is about. It's about teaching people to do it the right way so that they're changed on the inside and that it isn't about a show. Because also, right before this, in, verse, in chapter 5, verse 16, uh, Jesus says that our deeds need to be seen. So he's not going to turn around in the next chapter and say, keep everything secret, when he just said your deeds need to be seen. And so we need to understand that it's not about just no one ever finding out that you're doing acts of righteousness. It's about your acts of righteousness not being for a show and that not being the point of it all. All right, the next passage, verses 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. 
If then the light within you is full of darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This passage, verses 22 and 23, kind of stick out as the sore thumb because you look at them and you say, what the heck are you talking about, Jesus? What did you suddenly talk about? An eye being a lamp of the body? What does that even mean? It's kind of confusing. So let me try to illuminate a little bit some, some cultural things that's going on. So this whole eye, a good eye versus a bad eye. If your eyes are good, your body will be full of light. If your eyes are bad, your body will be full of darkness. Why is he talking about good eyes and bad eyes? It's actually a metaphor that they use, that, that rabbis used in, in Jesus' day. Very common. Um, ayin ra tova, which is good eye, and ayin ra hara, which is a bad eye. Um, they, they would use that to talk about your, your perspective on the world and, and how you saw things. If you saw things with a good eye, that means you, you viewed things the that God was doing through goodness lens and you saw the good in people and you saw the potential in, in the world and, and you looked for the, for the goodness that God was doing in the world. But if you saw with a bad eye, then you always looked for the evil and for the wickedness and, and for the ways that, that mankind had fallen short and for the horrible things that people were doing to one another. And it's kind of an optimism, pessimism, but it's even more than that because this also influences like, being generous or being stingy because if you see the world with with a good eye you see the potential in people and you see the good that they can do and you're willing to be generous with people and give them second chances and extend grace and 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 be merciful but if you see the world with with a bad eye then all you see is the wickedness of people and you're stingy and you don't want to give and you don't want to help uh, because people are just going to take everything and they're going to corrupt it and they're going to make it worse. And, and so, and, and then you worry and then you hang on to all your stuff and, and, and you don't pour out the way that God wants you to because you see the world with a, with a bad eye. To see the world with a good eye, you have to trust God. You have to trust that he's doing good in the world and, and, and that he's in control and that the whole earth is the Lord's and therefore you can give of anything that you have and you can be generous and, and you can see the good potential in people and you can see with a good eye your, yourself. Because some of the idea behind this is that God sees with a good eye. And, and some of you are like, well, you're talking about generous and stingy. Like, why are you talking about money? Because Jesus is talking about money here. He's just talked about treasure. And then right after he talks about the good eye and the bad eye, he says, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. And so in this passage, it's about, it's about money. It's about being generous. It's about being stingy. It's about how we care about how we care for people. And so Jesus continues this metaphor in the last verses of Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? 
So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. A bad eye leads to worry. If we're worried about what we're going to have and what we're going to do and how we're going to survive. And, and it, it, we keep seeing the world with this bad eye and, and, and we think there's just so much evil and, and, and I just need to protect myself and I need to hang on to my things and I need to not be generous to anyone else, not give anything uh, because there's just so much going on and it's just going to get worse and it's going to get worse and, and I just need to keep it all to, to me. We lose out on that generosity. We lose out on the things that God's trying to do in this world. We lose out on seeing the potential in people and seeing all the amazing things that that God's been trying to do through people. And we miss so much. Not only that, from that worry, from that bad eye, we start flowing into this judgment of people and, and deciding who who deserves something and who and who doesn't and, and who's who's worth helping and, and who's worth not and, and 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 so we start changing the way we view people because we view them with this bad eye and we see people as only being wicked and, and nothing can help them and we shouldn't help them and, and we get stingy and we don't give and we worry and we hold on and that's not what God calls us to. He wants us to have a good eye. And to be the right kind of people. And that judgment piece, there's a lot more to tackle and, and cover in that, but but it's in chapter 7. And, and so that's something that we're going to be talking about next time as we wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. And so just know that God wants us to see the world with a good eye, to see the potential in people, to know that they are valuable, to know that we can be generous, to know that uh, that we should love them the way that God loves them because God is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. That's, that's what it means to, to follow him, to live out as he's called us to, to follow his, his interpretation of God's word. To live that out means to be generous, to see the world with a good eye. And so let's try to do that in each day. Hey, thanks for spending time with us today. If you have any questions about what you heard or any interest in learning more about CCF in Iowa, then please email us at ccf.uiowa at gmail.com and we would love to get you connected.